on the Empire Podcast this week, he pulls a knife, we pull a microphone, latch the podcast way, and that's how you get Kevin Costner. Yes, the legendary star of The Untouchables, No Way Out, Field of Dreams, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and now Criminal is this week's podcast. Plus the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that is back in its feet and fighting fit. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt, back after lurkification. Uh, welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thanks to Phil Dissemlian for stepping ably into my shoes last week, even though I didn't understand a word of his Czech-Hungarian fusion pod- podcast. <laughs> did you listen to that, Helen? Did you, what you I did, and I thought his pronunciation was off in a couple of cases, but it was a fascinating, fascinating insight to Uzbekistani f- f- cinema. As a whole. Uh, this week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, first up, as you've just heard, is our geek queen, a lady who doesn't suffer from flu, but she has been known to get a Winchester cough <laughs> from time to time. It's Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you? Uh, it's good to be back. I'm, I'm, I'm very well. I just spent uh, two weeks in Ireland eating a lot of bread and butter and potatoes and it was delicious and relaxing. How are they? Oh, they're so tasty. We no, should... just... the. the... Oh, Ireland, home. Ireland, is Ireland good? is good. good. Yeah, right? Ireland is beautiful. I genuinely saw, uh, and I'm not kidding here, about ten rainbows um, in about a week. That the leprechauns is, were busy. I'm serious. There were so many pots of gold all over the place. It was it was a, a parody of itself. You're it always great. after their lucky charms. <laughs> uh, and next up is our deputy editor, uh, no nonsense northern type who doesn't get the flu. The flu gets him. It's Johnny Pyle. Hello, mate. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. No flu. Yeah. Do you, you get sick? Uh, you know, uh, not, to not often. You Clark not Kent often. We, uh, my wife and I have a running battle to see who can get sick the least. <laughs> Who's winning? Uh, well, I mean, we both claim... Uh, I claim I am, she claims she is. <laughs> when was your last sick day? I mean, years, years and years ago. Years and years ago. I've only had two. Two in 15 years. That's not too bad. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not too bad. Well. Uh, one was last week, sadly. You know, you know, I'm bad if I miss the podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, time to move on to this week's question. Then uh, it is from at bc23 via Twitter, and it says simply best movie slash TV scene at a garage or garage, uh, both US and UK or any other country. So just really <laughs> expanding our options there. So should we establish first the parameters of this garage? Well, so I assume he means petrol station. See, oh, I, I assume, assume he made, meant parking space. See, I assume he means the garage that's affixed to your house with your tools and where you park your car. Oh, I see. Well, this is so confusing already. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what I've geared towards. And, play, and not just ones that have fixed your house but I'm talking about places where you go to get your car fixed so that's the examples I've come up with are all geared towards that but you Johnny you've gone for something different you've got a different interpretation like of service this. Sta- filling station is that what you're thinking yeah like a petrol station yeah yeah, like a gas a, station gas, yeah I was yeah. just trying to like a, a translate sh- it into BP America. or where, where, or I don't, Shell I don't, I don't own a car where do people or, go <laughs> or, uh, or rocks on and you're Helen. You're, you're Helen. Yes. But your thanks. interpretation is. I've actually else. got. Um, I've actually got one example of each. You'll be glad to All know. Right, okay. I have. I have a place where cars are repaired, uh, a place <laughs> attached to your home, and a place where you fill up. All right. We'll 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 build up to that. Okay. All right, Johnny. Um. The answer is. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer. Zoolander. Zoolander for <gasps> ten points. Orange, Orange mocha frappuccinos. Okay. Who? I don't, I don't know yeah. if you remember it, Chris. I don't know. Do you I, like that I, film? I, I'm aware of the film. Yes. Right. Yeah. They 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 go out because he's all sad, and they go for their their drinks, and they drive around, and then uh-huh. they start having fun with the water, and then he uh, he walks away to get a magazine out of the uh-huh. bin. Um, 
something about he's on the front cover yeah. and then it yeah. turns around and they they've graduated from water to petrol <laughs> and light a cigarette and they can't bad, not bad die in happen. a freak gasoline fight accident yeah. that's bad for sure. bad things happen to them poor Mikus and the gang oh poor Mikus uh, very very sad very very sad good to know he was reborn as a vampire <laughs> and then as a hunky Tarzan uh, indeed um, wow okay so you you've gone full full on filling station Okay, that's interesting. No, well, I mean, I'll, I'll come back to that. I think, yeah. So I think that's, I think that's the correct answer to, and I think <laughs> I answered the correct question as well. But do they sell uh, petrol in now? Here's my problem. Kevin Smith's first film, he no. pronounces it Clerks, but I, as a as a Brit, I would pronounce it Clarks. Yeah, we pronounce it Clarks. Fine. Yeah. But do they sell petrol station? Uh, do they sell petrol in that station? They don't because it's not a station. It's, it's a, not. It's a, it's a quick stop. It's a um, it's a convenience store. It's a Seven Eleven essentially. That's what that's what that store is. But, I mean, presumably they can have a pump or two outside. No, no. It's a it's a okay. it's a it's a street shop. It's a it's it's a, it's like the convenience store across the road for us from us here in the Empire. Is office. it? It's it's kind of like that. It is. It, it so is. no right. petrol is sold. There. Okay, fine. Well then. Uh, no scenes from that film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Johnny's definitive answer, I think, to the question. Helen, you've got loads of examples. I do. So, um, well, sticking with the, the the place where you fill up with petrol, uh, I would submit Wayne's World 2, the scene with Charlton Heston. <laughs> yes, um, which a good is, scene. Which is delightful. Where um, uh, an actor who's not famous enough is replaced by Charlton Heston. Yes, okay. to give some key life advice. Yes, to uh, give some gravity and import gravity, to the lines. Yeah. And, and, okay. and to make Wayne cry. Yes. Shed real tears. <laughs> um, in the attached to your house bit, okay. um, yeah. uh, one of the best murders in Scream is yes. in the garage, in the garage door. That's one of mine. And it's very unpleasant and I didn't like it. Yeah, so that's correct. That in. That's really <laughs> Let me see, prove it. Yeah, yep, you've got that down. That's Rose fine. McGowan. Yeah, that's Rose right. McGowan getting... Uh, Stuck in the, in the sort of cat flap thing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and then in the place where your car was repaired mm-hmm. category, I would submit the best <laughs> moment in Transporter 3. The only, maybe, great moment in Transporter 3, which is where Jason Statham fights a bunch of goons in a garage and in the process of so doing, finds it necessary <laughs> to strip out of his clothing as and use his clothing as a weapon against the goons. It all makes perfect sense in his brain. Ooh. Is that definitely Transporter 3? It is definitely Transporter 3, because I had to look it up and see if it was Transporter 3, and it is. There's a scene in a bus station involving a lot of oil, and yes. also topless oh, Jason burned Statham into my mind, Helen. In either one or two? It's two. Two. So they clearly thought, well, that worked. One. Let's hell. get him out of his clothes again in a in a situation around lots of parked vehicles. Right. Because Transporter 2 starts off with him fighting guys in a parking garage. Oh, sorry, parking garage. So <laughs> here's another interpretation sure. of the rules. So there's the one that's affixed to your house. There's the one where people sell petrol, uh, which I guess I'm going to throw in Robocop, uh, where Emil uh, turns up and is very, very nasty to the, the, the mm-hmm. petrol station attendant. And then Robocop turns up and has his first kind of memory jog. Um, so there's that. Then was the other one? There's, there's uh, the place where you get your car fixed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw in Greased Lightning. Yeah. From Greece. A whole musical number in a garage. A garage. Um, Drive has a very icky murder in a in a garage garage uh, <laughs> as well, where Albert Brooks uses his straight razor to to great effect. Horrible yes. scene. Ugh. Um, uh, but then there's the other one. 
parking garage, garage, gar- park, park, parking garage, park, parking, <laughs> parking garage. Uh, car park. Loads, loads of them. Yeah, because we think of them as car parks, multi-story car parks, but Americans yeah. think of them as parking garages. So you're thinking so, car chasing tomorrow never dies. Yep. The um, murder at the start of Jack Reacher. <laughs> I'm always thinking Jack Reacher, Johnny. You know that. I do know that. Um, uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Deep Throat, but I always am. Uh, and all the president's men. You know, right, all, of those, course, all, yes. those, thank, all those pivotal meetings. Thank you so much for finishing that sentence. I'm thinking Michael Caine throwing Alf Roberts from Coronation Street off the, uh, the, the well, out of, out of a multi-story car park and get Carter. Uh-huh. I'm thinking all those great moments. All of them. Fantastic stuff. Uh, but the one I'm going to throw in is, um, is the garage affixed to your house kind of way, uh, which is uh, a moment from John Carpenter's Christine, when Christine reveals her true capabilities to uh, Arnie. Uh, played by Keith Gordon. It's an amazing sequence where he, uh, basically uh, the car's been trashed and he's disconsolate because it's broken beyond all repair. And then Christine can obviously repair herself and she, she, she shows she shows him her capabilities. It's wow. an incredible sequence. Really, really good. In the Attached to Your House bit, I'd also put in a nod for uh, the Chris Cooper scenes in the garage in American Beauty. Mm-hmm. I just remember him brooding there. A lot. He's a brooder. He's a brooder. He's a brooder. We haven't mentioned any TV stuff, but there's loads of scenes in uh, Breaking Bad that are in garages. And um, well, in fact, isn't the uh, the confrontation at the start of the final series between Hank and um, Heisenberg? Why have I forgotten his name? <laughs> <laughs> Walt. <laughs> <laughs> That's in front of uh, the garage. I mean, I think they're on the drive. Technically, are they? For- well, isn't there a don't they scramble for the uh, the little the, the clicker? I mean, it's just remarkable television. Isn't it's that? it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. clearly burned in your brain. Hence, you forgot Walter White. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when I'm talking halfway through a sentence, I forget <laughs> what the next word is supposed to be, and I that substitute almost, something in. <laughs> that almost never happens to um to the, 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 the lasagna. Uh, right uh, there, we go. I think we've answered BC twenty three's question to to his or her satisfaction. Uh, if you want to have your question read out in the Empire podcast and tackled by the big brains in our pod booth, then uh, get in touch with us via the usual methods. We're on Twitter, where we are at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. Our chances are we won't see it. We're on Facebook, Empire Magazine. I don't know why I say we're on Facebook every week. We never get any questions on Facebook. I'm not going to bother anymore. All right, here's an ultimatum. Send in a question via Facebook this week. Someone... Just someone send in a question via Facebook this week and we'll read it out in this week's show. And if you don't, then I will never mention Facebook again. <gasps> I mean, I don't know if it's ever in everyone's interest to just not. Yeah. Unlike. <laughs> That's what I'll do. Don't do that. Okay. Pointy thummy down. No, you'll do the little heart icon. symbol. Mm. And we're on email as well. Podcast at EmperorOnline.com. Okay, right. Uh, time for some lovely movie news discussions. Uh, where should we begin? Obviously, first thing we should talk about is the fact that by the time you're listening to this podcast, the trailer, first teaser for uh, Gareth Edwards' new Star Wars movie, Rogue One, will be out. Everyone will have seen it and reveled in it. It comes out after we record this podcast. But you know what? I've got a sneaking suspicion there's going to be a breaking news bit coming up any second now. Beep, 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 That's the breaking news noise. Uh, we paid a lot of money for that jingle. That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Brian Eno worked in that. <laughs> Actually, I, I thought it was Radiohead. No, that would be... My mistake. So what is yeah. this enormously important news? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right, the news. Yes. Um, well, I don't know. How are you? 
Good, yeah, you? Yeah, uh, yeah not too bad. Yeah, Great. Fantastic. Okay, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, so we knew that the Rogue One trailer was coming when we recorded the podcast on Thursday, but we came back on Friday because, well, it's the only time we could record the podcast, and now here we are to talk about the Rogue One teaser trailer, which hit yesterday, and um, uh, everyone seems to love it. I love it, yeah. yeah. Really good. Um, I'm, good. I, I was, I was, you know, looking forward to this as I would to any Star Wars film, but I wasn't. I didn't feel like I had a particular handle on why I should be excited about this in particular. And now I feel like I do. Now I feel like it looks like its own thing, but mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, they find a, a sort of a setting we haven't seen before with that sort of tropical planet with the, um, with the battle there. That looks cool. The bad, the bad atle. The bat, at, the at, the at, the bat, the bat, the Yes, um, I, th- I, I liked uh, Felicity Jones. I loved uh, as Jin Erso, and Jin not Erso. as a lot of people respect that on Twitter. Yesterday, Jen Arsehole. Yeah, that would not be the right, <laughs> the right would name. Be, it would be a strange way to go <laughs> with your your second Star Wars movie. And also, um, um, Genevieve O'Reilly is Mon Mothma. Now she was cast, I believe, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, and mm. then her part was almost entirely cut out. There might be one scene I yeah, think, where you can see, you can see you can her, see her uh, but she doesn't have any. Yeah, she doesn't have like a scene left. Yeah. So they cast her again, and she still looks uncannily the part. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, so there's still a lot we don't know yeah, uh, about the film. So uh, it, as we know, it, it's about a the plot to steal the plans for the first Death Star. Um, so please stop talking succeed. about boffins. Well, yeah, but I think that's just shorthand, isn't it, for Death Stars and stealing plans? And yesterday was a fun thing. It was a fun thing on Twitter between people who were, you know, going, "Oh, you know, many Bothans died to bring us this trailer," and then people going, "I think you'll find that's the, <laughs> uh, this is the second trailer." Uh, so it's like um, uh, Frankenstein, the real Frankenstein's monster, yes. is me for correcting you on this yes. trivial point. Okay, yeah. fine, carry on. So I, you know, I think I think by by this point is shorthand, and also. We don't know the Bothans aren't involved in this. They in could this case. be. We don't know who everyone's playing, so we don't have we don't, like detailed yeah. character breakdowns. All we know is that uh, Felicity Jones is playing uh, Jin Erso, and I think they released her name uh, in the trailer to head off any speculation that she might have been playing Princess Leia. Because yeah. that, that was rumoured at one point. It that was. It was going to be a, a Leia-centric uh, movie. Um, and I think they also maybe there's a lot of speculation. I saw someone yesterday uh, from Hitfix speculating that she may turn out in the Star Wars universe to be the mother of Rey. I mean, I sure. Fit, so, I really, know. really, really hope she isn't. I, I hope she isn't. As well. hope she isn't. Now, number one, because it's a universe and it should feel like a universe. And with these side stories, we should be opening up that universe, moving mm-hmm. away from family connections, mm-hmm. moving away from dynastic ambitions, and this this sort of you know by it's God a very small given world, right. This, yes, this it needs to open it, this it? up. It needs yeah. to feel different. Um, and secondly, because just because she's a woman doesn't mean she should be somebody's mother, but then everybody is somebody's father apparently in this as well, so it doesn't really Every, follow. Everyone's someone's father, Helen. Everyone's someone's mother. And you know what? Everyone's someone's son or daughter. Wow. D- that's super fun, Chris. You know, and, and yet meaningless and stupid at the same time. At the same time, I can see it working as an inspirational <laughs> quote on a poster. Yeah. Maybe even the tagline. Would you put uh, it as a, as a, a quote against a, a sunset or just like a... A twin sunset. A twin sun- oh, Binary this is, sunset. Oh, you've this through. I have anyway, no, I have. I rarely think anything through. So um, <laughs> I, I'm also really intrigued by the rest of the cast because I think it's it's a great, great cast. Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker immediately was like, oh, I want to know more about you. You mm-hmm. look interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Mendelsohn, ditto. He's got great uniform. I mean, you, you've got to say this for the Empire and First Order. Oh, yeah. I mean, they know a coat or cloak when they see one, don't they? <laughs> they really do. And there's that great shot of him uh, walking through the, the muddy wastes of 
whatever planet they're on. Yeah. And I, I was worried for his coke. In fairness, he, it's going to get splashed with mud. He but almost seemed to be walking on water. Yeah. It was so flawless. Like a mud repellent. Yeah. Uh, some speculation he may be playing Grant Moff Tarkin. I don't think he's he not, is. He's not, no. But he's, uh, uh, I've heard I've heard rumours he's, uh, apparently he's wearing uh, an a uh, uniform that matches Grand Admiral Thrawn, of course, from the now defunct mm-hmm. expanded universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's speculation he would be a Grand Admiral rather than a Grand Moth. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> Try and control it. No, no, no. I was thinking more Moth. Okay. You went to the other place. I mean... So what's I say about you? <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, want to think. But yeah, I really liked it. It's uh, my, my, my concern, and it's not really concern for me, it's a concern more for the filmmakers and uh, that... Uh, I I wonder how many fans don't know that this isn't episode eight. Yeah. Uh, And even though there are clearly clues that it takes place Mm pre-Force Awakens, there's still, I don't think there's anything in there to really say that this isn't episode eight, apart from the absence of all the characters from episode seven, (laughs) of course, but it's a teaser trailer, so people might be going, so fans who don't know what Rogue One is, and who just love Star Wars, might be going... Oh, where's Ray? Where's Finn? Where's Poe Dameron? Where, where's where are all That's those That's true because they didn't actually put Episode Seven in the title in the end, did no, they? No, they didn't. So, uh, so that could cause some confusion. And certainly, yeah. actually, somebody on my Twitter last night said something about this being an interesting continuation of the story. Now, I'm going to assume they meant continuation of the universe's story, mm-hmm. but um, but but if not, then that means. But perhaps they think that it's just it's, it's Episode Eight, but with a completely different different cast yeah. of characters, and then they'll all come back together for Episode Nine. In some nine. kind of Star Wars Avengers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Team up. Let's, let's give them ideas. Um, <laughs> Uh, a couple of other things to talk about. Yeah, I loved a lot of stuff in it. You know, there's the great shot of the Death Star. There's a, uh, that Mentalist shot's fantastic. Fantastic um, shot of the Jubilee line. Yeah, Donnie. Yeah, <laughs> Don, yeah absolutely. Uh, so some of it seems to have been shot. In fact, we know that some of it was shot at Canary Wharf Tube Station. Yeah. Uh, which they basically just gussied up. They basically, it's literally. It's literally, it's, that's what it looks like. It, you take a shot of Canary Wharf Tube yeah. Station, run side by side. The elevators are there. The tube doors are there. Yeah. Because uh, it's a chassis tube station. Oh, it's very fancy. It's very fancy indeed. Um, oh, I wonder why. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a very, very cool trailer. Um, it starts off with that new trailer pattern of plaintive piano music. Mm-hmm. And then it, it has that weird whoop, whoop, whoop uh, siren going off. Yes, which was going, going off all around the office yesterday yeah, at lunchtime. Yeah, as, as everyone watched it. So yeah. as things start going to uh, shit on presumably the Death Star, uh, the first Death Star. So it's going it's to be fun. And of course, we should probably mention also very, very quickly and with obvious disdain in our voices, the fact that this again, once, once again, uh, triggered uh, an onslaught of uh, sexist, misogynist uh, dicks. Mm. It did, yeah. People going, oh, do we have to have a girl lead for every Star Wars movie? Mm. Well, no. How about two out of eight? <laughs> and I mean, even Ray last time was very, I thought, 50-50, actually. Yeah. Right about now, she's 50-50. Right, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, women are 12% of leads and people are frothing themselves up that women are taking over everything, apparently. So I, I assume they went to the Batman School of Maths where 1% is an absolute certainty because that's the only explanation. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so Rogue One, Gareth Edwards Rogue One looks very, very promising indeed. Uh, it's out in December. Yeah. So lots of, lots of cool stuff. Um, hopefully there'll be a, more story hints and more character names and planet reveals and all that, that funky jazz uh, to come. But while we're here, uh, mm. very, very quick news top up. Uh, a couple of other things to talk about. So yesterday it was announced, I think to the surprise of everybody in the entire universe, that the bad guy in Fast and Furious 8 is going to be Charlize Theron. I don't know why you're surprised. This was talked about for a while. 
It's been rumoured at least for a while. Okay, I've um, never seen this rumour anywhere. I've uh, everybody seems surprised by this, so I don't know. Really? You must be plugged in in a different a different maybe. way. Maybe maybe I dreamed is, it. Maybe you dreamed it because this this came out of the blue. I but think. here, here, think about this, right? Um, we know she can drive because everybody on the press tour for uh, the Italian Job remake mm-hmm. acknowledged that she was the best driver. They all had to go to a stunt driving school basically for that movie, and she was literally driving rings around the rest of them. Which right? gets tedious after a while. Which I know, and a little dizzying, but she seemed able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's the small matter of Mad Max Fury Road, which if you want someone who is both fast and furiosa, I apologise, then she would qualify. So um, it seems like brilliant casting to me. And um, I mean, adding an Oscar winner to the cast of Fast and Furious franchise is just the next logical step as no, it no. takes over Hollywood and the world. Uh, See, so you, you've, got, you've got that backwards. She's the first Oscar winner in the Fast and Furious cast. She won't be the last. Oh, no. I suspect. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, Finn Diesel thought that Fast and Furious 7 should have swept the, the board of the Oscars. I, I he, <laughs> He's, I mean, it's... Please finish I that mean, thought. I'm not sure that he has finished that thought, to be honest, <laughs> but why not? Why not Fast 8 to sweep the board at the next Oscars? There is literally no good reason. Create categories just for that, that movie. It's, it's the yeah. only way to go. But yeah, it's exciting casting. Uh, be intrigued to see how she fits in. It will be fantastic. In that world. Uh, and she's got a henchman as well. So uh, Christopher Hivju uh, from uh, Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones, one yeah. of the wildings. Um, yeah, yeah um, he's the, the first uh, redhead in the franchise since Cole Hauser and Too Fast, Too Furious. So this is well. This is huge. This is huge news. Huge news for Fast and Furious. And also some very interesting news yesterday. So uh, Taron Egerton, uh, about whom you can read a very well-written piece in the current issue of Empire. Um, Was it mine? No. Was it Nick's? Did you? Phil's? No. Dan's? Not Dan. Ollie's? Not Ollie. Terry? Johnny? No. You've you've gone through... Pretty much everybody. Adam? Damon? No, no. Ian? Ian? You're just listing people. Yeah. It was me, Helen. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I wrote it. Oh, I see. Yeah, using words. Well, now I feel, I mean, I would feel foolish, but who could have possibly guessed that from your hints? I don't know. You know, I'm a modest person, and I don't like to blow my own trumpet, but it's an amazing piece. Can you win Pulitzers for profiles of Welsh actors? I believe so. This could be your year, Chris. Just throwing it out there. So anyway, uh, Taron Edgerton tweeted yesterday uh, a the first teaser poster for Kingsman 2, which we now know, of course, having revealed it exclusively in the new issue of Empire, mm-hmm. is called Kingsman, the Golden Circle. And he tweeted yesterday a teaser poster, uh, which is a pair of very interesting, uh, very recognisable glasses mm-hmm. with uh, one of the lenses missing. Uh, across uh, a background of of, uh, of type saying uh, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <gasps> Mark Twain's in it. Mark Twain is back, everybody. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Zombie Mark Twain is the bad guy <laughs> in Kings from the Golden Circle. He don't give a huck. Or, He's back. Wait, and this is a little bit out there. Uh-huh. I mean, I think we're pretty much right on with the first guess. Uh-huh. Could it be mm-hmm. Colin Firth's character coming back? Well. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, possibly. We shall see. Uh, Certainly in the piece I wrote for Empire uh, about Kingsman, the Golden Circle, uh, Matthew Fawn said that he might be back, but in a flashback capacity. Uh, But I don't know. This indicates that there might be more 
more to that? Inter- maybe he's back. So I don't know if you've seen Kit Harrington doing the publicity circuit recently for mm. Game of Thrones, and he's claimed that he was in Belfast with his hair still uncut and his beard <laughs> still unshaved for for months. Because he was playing a corpse, because apparently the Game of Thrones budget can't stretch to a dummy. Um, Maybe it's similar for Colin Firth. Maybe he too is back Mm -hmm. to play a corpse over an extended period of time. Yes, because if you haven't seen Kingsman, apologies, but Colin Firth gets killed (laughs) in Kingsman. So there you go. Harry Hart, I love that character. Um, So I think a lot lot of people loved him as well. Or do they? Or do they? Or did they? (laughs) And so he might be back for this one. Uh, Or is he? Or is it? Or was it? Who knows? Anyway, it's filming right now, so we'll, we'll know soon enough. Or next year. Uh, right. Is that it? Is. Yeah. Right, should we get uh, Brian Eno back in again? Let's do it. Back Let's to our regularly okay. scheduled programme. Brian, come on in. Oh. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian Eno here. I don't know what he sounds like. No, clearly. Um, okay, breaking news. Boom, 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 soothing. And I was right. There was a breaking news moment. Uh, so that was a, a wonderful discussion of Rogue One. <laughs> the trailer for that. <laughs> that wow. would have been amazing. Bl- blew my mind. Blew my ben mind. Ben Mendelsohn is a blue space pig. Who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew the Death Star was made of cheese? Right. Uh, what's happening? Oh, uh, big stuff, big stuff. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, fresh off the success of Deadpool, which I for once didn't call Daredevil. Come on, um, is do you a do set that? star. I do that. I don't know why they both begin with D. They have two, I do two words. I, I do know. it. Yeah, it's a thing. It's do a you thing. Not, do you not do it? How do you not do it? How do I not? Because one's Deadpool and the other one's Deadpool. Oh, wait oh. a second. Hang on. <laughs> anyway, so Ryan Reynolds is um, apparently set to start in the adaptation of The Rosie Project, which is a best-selling book a couple of years ago. Um, he it's, a, it's a, been through a bit of ups and downs, this adaptation. It's a story about a guy who is certainly on the autism spectrum, a very, very, very intelligent uh, academic, uh, but someone who has... Uh, problems dealing with people and in particular women and he starts what he calls the wife project and has a questionnaire to find the perfect partner and then meets this woman called Rosie who really doesn't fit the description of what he's looking for his very very set scientific search for someone Um, but they just have a sort of strange connection anyway so it's a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl but it's it's a well done story in the book so if they can kind of capture some of that it could work really well you've read the book I've read the book yeah ask me some of the questions I want to know if I'm uh, good to be your wife I mean I'll be honest I read the book two years ago so I, I don't remember the ask questions me one of the questions <laughs> ask me a question <laughs> I genuinely it was all stuff about you know you know age and outlook and uh, 33 there you go. That's amazing. Brilliantly done. Thanks. Uh, so anyway, are we getting married now or what? Uh, you are already married. That would be a problem. She doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course is legally binding. Yes. You can get married as many times as you like, as long as one of your wives doesn't listen to the Empire podcast. <laughs> I think that's absolutely fine. Um, so anyway. So Reynolds is apparently circling the project at Sony. Um, Mm. This was going to be directed by Lord Miller, but apparently Star Wars and Han Solo drew them away, Mm -hmm. lured them to the other side, the dark side, if you will. Um, 
the most recent draft of the script we know about was written by the 500 Days of Summer writers Scott uh-huh. Neustadter and uh, Michael H. Weber uh-huh. um, so it's it, that apparently got Lord Miller aboard so it's presumably quite funny and smart uh-huh. so we'll just have to wait and see now what happens really oh, well, I'm, I'm on tenterhooks it's, I know it, it sounds are. absolutely amazing I know it could be uh, really good. Honestly, it, honestly, I won't be able to sleep until news Chris, of this un- until news of this project. Chris, the this is rosy, a big best-selling book. It's sold Rosie Project. This book sold a hell of a lot more copies than Doctor Strange. Like, huge. Let's you know. Huge. Okay. Huge. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, Andy Serkis' Jungle Book Origins has been pushed back to 2018. This follows intriguing. Very, yeah, it follows very positive early word of mouth on the other Jungle Book, the, the John Favreau project that's out any day now mm. so um, I wonder if that had something to do with it um, I imagine it had a lot to do with it but yes it's it's schedule sc- uh, shuffling is the official reason for yes. that uh, Andy Serkis has released an official statement saying he's delighted that it's been pushed back a year because it allows them more time to work on the effects Yeah, because I'm sure that's how that works Oh, it does, you know, a bit mm. more time. I mean, you, if you talk to VFX people, they will say, you know, the only things that make... Oh, no, no, more time limit is, VFX more time are is right. time and but, money. So but more time course. obviously means more money. So yeah. are they increasing the budget of the film Ah, as well? let's hope so. Or are they just moving it back to get it as far away from Jungle Book as possible, which is also interesting given that, you know, Hollywood's not been exactly shy of releasing stuff that's similar. Mm-hmm couple of months apart in the past. But it does have a bit of a knock-on effect, so mm, maybe they're wise to do so and kind I of... I hope it doesn't bode ill for the film. So do I, definitely. Um, so there's some casting news as well that's happened uh, all through the week. So Blade Runner 2, which I'm sure won't be called Blade Runner 2, it'll be called something else. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a have, colon. It'll have Blade, yeah, Blade Runner colon. Do electric androids dream of sheep. Or something. Yeah, um, yeah Dave Bautista who's racking up quite the CV, uh, confirmed this week. He did so in a video. Do you see it? He took to... He actually tweeted a video of himself yeah. confirming his casting in the in the project, and he's very, very excited, as you, imagine, as you would imagine he would be. Um, and, and that's it. We don't know anything else about... <laughs> but I imagine he's playing like a Roy Batty type. You I know, would he'd imagine, be playing yeah. a, a big, crunchy android replicant <laughs> a person. A big, crunchy android. He's a crunchy guy. He is a crunchy You've guy. You've met he's, him, right? He's a, he is a delightful human being, a genuinely lovely, lovely man. So I'm, I'm thrilled he's getting as much work as he is. I think that's very mm. good. So he's going to join... Uh, am I saying this right? Harrison Ford and uh, Ryan Gosling... Mm. in the film which starts filming soon under the auspices of Denny Villeneuve um, <laughs> yes you said everything right <laughs> <laughs> especially Villeneuve Denny Villeneuve and you know what I hope there's a scene in a parking garage <laughs> we can only keep our fingers crossed for <laughs> yeah so that's huge that's huge and that's there's also been um, some news about Chris Nolan's new movie isn't it? hasn't there Yes, there has. Yes, Why don't you has. tell us all about it Chris oh, okay. tell, <laughs> you what, I'll blankly tell you what everyone. I'll tell you all about it which is that you know this is uh Dunkirk, his movie about the Dunkirk landing, the greatest strategic retreat in World War II. Uh, and he's making a huge, huge movie with uh, some... Did we ever talk about the Harry Styles thing? Well, because that that's the last news I heard. Yeah. And I was like, that's old news. Because I broke on, fr- I broke on a Friday after the podcast came out. Yeah. So in case you don't know, this is World War II epic. It's Chris Nolan's next movie. It comes out next year on uh, July 21st, 2017. Um, he's directing from his original screenplay. And it's it's going to be huge. He's got Kenneth Branagh. He's got Tom Hardy, Mark Rylance. Killian uh, Murphy has just joined the cast. Obviously, he's worked with him in numerous times on Inception and all three of the Dark Knight movies. So very, very, very cool. Uh, but it's also got a load of, of 
not so much unknowns, but but younger actors as well. So Jack Loudon, uh, Anuin Barnard, uh, Fion Whitehead, people like that. But a few weeks ago, so the news this week is that Killian Murphy's joined the cast. That's the news this week. But we didn't discuss the fact that One Direction's Harry Styles. Yeah. One Direction's Harry Styles has joined the cast of Dunkirk. This happened a few weeks ago. Yeah. No, okay, we don't know if he can act. Maybe he's awesome, right, first of all. Second of all, I mean, it will presumably help the film's box office, you would imagine, if his fans turn up as well as Christopher Nolan's fans. Um, But here's the big risk that you take Uh casting Harry Styles in a film like this. How do you not cast Sane? Well, I I mean, mean, well, that's the second big risk. The the first big risk... How do you not cast Niall? if, If Harry Styles... Is playing some kind of World War Two soldier. Yes. Does that require a haircut? And if so, how are the fans going to react? Yes. How are they going to cope? Unless he has Have like we a, asked- a massive helmet? Like just well, I've heard rumors. I mean, but you know, but there's just you know, like, like you pan along these soldiers, normal helmet, normal helmet, six foot tall helmet, just keeping in his massive. massive It'll be like hair. dark helmets in spaceballs. It'll it be like be. that. It would be. The other option, of course, is actually realistically they can do what they did with um, John Snow with Kit Harrington in uh, Testament of Youth, where they basically just tied it back and hid it. With, oh, with magic. okay. I thought you were going to say like a CG haircut. I mean, could, it was, it was not days. quite. No, it wasn't. It wasn't CG. They can do all sorts, yeah. but but they didn't do that. Tigers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lions Lizards. and tigers and bears. Yeah. yeah. And Harry Styles. And Harry Styles. Oh my! Yeah, because the internet went into a flap when this happened, as if uh, there had never been a pop star who tried his hand at acting before. Uh, I think this is a good thing. Here's the thing. I don't think Chris Nolan has cast Harry Styles blind. I don't think that he's he's just gone... I don't think he was watching VH1. Is that still around? Um, Or MTV one day, and he happened upon a One Direction video and went, hey, you know what? I want the one with the big hair. That one. He's perfect for Dunkirk. Uh, I think he's probably auditioned him and Mm -hmm. had him in a room Mm -hmm. and and, and seen with his own two eyes that Harry Styles can actually act. Isn't the problem that you get that you get at, say, the end of the Thin Red Line when you're like, oh, look, there's George Clooney and then it's the (laughs) credits. But then you go, oh, look, there's Harry Styles and suddenly you're like, you know, you're being swept along in this like epic war film and then you're like, oh, look, there he is. He's there. But maybe he'll be positively chameleonic. Who knows? I think this could be the start of a, of a, a wonderful career. I mean, if he's a brilliant actor, you know, because One Direction obviously is coming to an end. Maybe he <gasps> doesn't want to go that. into the... the it, it's coming to an end. They're going on hiatus. Well, I know they're Helen, on hiatus. Helen, do you know keeping up with your One Direction Yeah, I, I know they're on hiatus, but that doesn't mean that they're coming to an end, Chris. Like, don't, like, ring the bells. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It doesn't <laughs> toll for One Direction just yet. I mean, I don't feel like... Don't yourself, Helen. Yeah. Oh, but, but Harry Styles how am I cope? is a smart guy and he's clearly looking at the future and he's clearly thinking you know what I have to diversify and I quite enjoy acting and I'm going to give my I'm going to try my hand at that and you know what Helen that's what makes him beautiful oh good lord yes Chris um, and, and also you, you asked me to do this in the podcast I'm, I'm going <laughs> to do it uh, did you see that there was some other possible casting news for Dunkirk this week because um, Chris Nolan wanted Chris Pine to star in the movie but Pine said no, because he's already done Kirk. <laughs> Look, it amused me, okay? <laughs> he's already done Kirk. Because he plays. I think Captain I think Kirk. we all get it. Okay. I think I think I think it's okay. So there's other Warner Brothers news in their schedule, which is there are two new DC movies mm-hmm. coming. They've um moved Wonder Woman, haven't they? They have by three weeks. Mm -hmm. It's come forward from 23rd of 
I want to say June next year to the 2nd of June. That's exceptional, States. exceptional knowledge of dates. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but they've got two more coming in and we don't know what they are. They're just untitled DC Warner Brothers movies, which, you know, could be anything. It really could. I mean, presumably one of them is the sort of rumoured Batman Ben Affleck movie. Yeah, yeah. almost certainly. Which, uh, which actually... Uh, I mean, I, I missed this, the spoiler podcast, but I was not a Batman Superman fan. Which Were you, you not? I didn't, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I, I hit it pretty well, Chris. Yeah. Um, Is it raining all the time in Goth- <laughs> Gothtropolis? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, Ben Affleck was one of the brighter things in the movie for me. Very much so, so yeah. I, think, I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Yeah. So I'd be interested in seeing what he'll do with a, with a standalone Bat film. So that's one. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Two. Obviously, they're going to bring Cyborg forward because everyone's clamouring for a Cyborg film after his uh, appearance in, in Batman. So, uh, yeah, what could it be? Maybe the standalone Superman movie? But presumably no one really wants that that much. I want to, I, honestly, I want, to see, I, I want to see Superman done justice in this universe and I, want, uh, I, I would like to see that. I would like to see... Uh, a dawn Henry of justice Cavill. for this Superman, you think? <laughs> I would like to see Henry Cavill given a proper, a proper shot at it. Um and see what happens. I mean, obviously, oh, we can't really talk about spoiler stuff here, but they're, they're filming Justice League Part 1. That starts filming on Monday, uh, so Zack Snyder told me on the Spoiler Special Podcast. Um, and then they moved, Warner Brothers moved Ben Affleck's next directorial effort, Live By Night, which is Dennis Lehane uh, script. Uh, I think it's a Dennis Lehane adaptation, actually. Yes, yeah, um, oh, sorry, I've yeah. got it unread on my bookshelf. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I, you should lend it to me so I can also not read it. Great, we will do. <laughs> or, or I could read it. I mean, whichever. Works. Whichever works for, yeah, we can do that. Uh, so it was a Dennis Lehane adaptation and it, it was going to come out this year and they pushed it back to next year, uh, presumably because his schedule is is getting really busy. But yeah. now the conspiracy theorist in me is Ooh. going, hang on, if they pushed it back because he's got to... Uh, write and direct a Batman movie in, in, in the interim and can't give Live By Night the attention it needs maybe it's one film maybe, maybe Batman is now the lead character in Live By Night <laughs> and maybe, that'd be amazing maybe that's the way forward you know maybe that would be actually quite, kind of interesting import a really good mystery from somewhere and just have Batman solve it yeah they but, did that with Jack Reacher that's a really good book and they got a completely different character <laughs> to uh, be the lead in it <laughs> yes yeah, no comment. I like that film, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That film's really good, especially if you just go, okay, this is, I'm watching, I'm, it's, I, I, it's, I'm watching a character called Jack Reacher. Yeah, but it's not the Reacher from the yeah. books, but I mean, the yeah. storyline is good enough to carry that film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to throw something out. Would you watch yeah. a DCEU uh-huh. film about, um, starring Ben Affleck, okay. all right, but he doesn't become Batman in it? Would you watch a Bruce Wayne only movie? Um, for what purpose? I mean, because maybe. Bruce, I, I, I got the. It certainly for me, Bruce Wayne was a more compelling character in in Dawn of Justice. I, I I have issues with Bruce Wayne. I had issues with in this film. There's there's a, a little flyaway shot where you just see a random woman in Bruce Wayne's bed, and I know he is canonically a playboy, but it's more of a pose than an actual reality. But yeah. clearly, for this Bruce Wayne, it's the reality it's never mentioned she has no face she has no line that that was a bit icky so I, I'm a dead. little bit 
<laughs> Maybe she is, and that would be a very different Bruce Wayne and a whole oh new God. kind of drama. Um, that I, would be. Really I would dark. like to see Bruce Wayne getting some help and dealing with some of his issues, so we never have to see a flashback to the death of his parents again. No, I think the, the Bruce Wayne standalone movie, which I would genuinely like to see. In fact, you know, I, I would like to see some of these. Super, you know, we talked about you know one of the best parts of. God, I don't want to talk about Marvel again. But Age of Ultron is yeah. the bit where they're all having a bit of a laugh at the yeah. party. You know, I'd like to I'd like to see a movie where just once you don't actually see the spandex. I would 100% agree with that. That would be, be quite fun. Because um, some of these characters are compelling enough, I think, to take it. And I think Bruce Wayne is, is compelling enough to take it. But I also think the standalone Bruce Wayne movie should be just constant flashbacks to his parents being killed. <laughs> but each time played by a different set of actors <laughs> in front of a different theatre. Did you did you share on the on the... In your Batman discussion, my theory about his father. You mean you didn't listen to it? I I did. What, all two and a half hours of it? I I did. (laughs) Let's say I did. Um, Unbelievable. But his dad is Papa Winchester. Yes, his dad is Papa Winchester. And then there's a big discussion in the film about how the family business is hunting. Yes. So, and stick with me here. Oh, God. The CW is owned by Warner Brothers. Oh, no. I feel like Sam and Dean should come and help him out. Or possibly kill him if they keep getting Superman wrong. Jeffrey Dean Morgan cannot keep dying in <laughs> Zack Snyder movies. He just can't. <laughs> and yet here we I are. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> uh, that's a very interesting. You're saying that Supernatural and the uh, It's a shared universe. It's a yes, shared universe. I, and, and actually Bruce Wayne is the long lost uh, third Winchester Bruce brother. Winchester. Bruce Winchester. Oh my God. We've blown this thing wide open, Chris. <laughs> we really have. Uh, this is why we should be meeting people in, in clandestine parking garages <laughs> with this sort of information. This is huge. All right. Um, cool. I've no idea what we've just said, but that's that's fun. Oh, also, Sherlock Season 4 began filming this week. It did, with the first female director for the, uh, for the show's history. I did not know that. Yeah. That's interesting. About time. <clears throat> so that's good. <laughs> All right, Hope Van Dyne. Um... Who is it? Uh, Rachel Talalay, who I think directed Tank Girl. She did. She's going to be doing. So she's uh, she's worked on a few Doctor Who episodes. Uh, uh, which ones? She's done uh, <laughs> Hellbent, Heaven Sent, Death in Heaven, Dark Water from the last couple good, of years. No, really good. Yeah, Thank you, IMDb. Um, she did The Flash, an episode of The Flash. She did an episode of Legends of Tomorrow. So she's got some sort of, you know, superhero mm-hmm. experience there. Um, not that... Sherlock's a superhero but he might as well be mm-hmm. with all the seeing of the stuff in his mind palace um, she did an episode of Rain God help her uh, and uh, yeah it's mostly been TV which is the yeah. case for a lot of female directors cause it's fair to say she's been in movie prison since Tank Girl yeah but uh, but she's out now good. So Sherlock uh, season 4 is is uh, filming right now and I have to say I am I'm worried about Benedict Cumberbatch I'm worried about his health because <laughs> the man hasn't stopped for about four years. You uh, might say most he's recent, non-stop. We know that he went straight from Hamlet into Doctor Strange. And we know because they've wrapped Doctor Strange last week very publicly in, in New York, York yes. with um, uh, Benedict Cumberbund and Juatel Ejiofor uh, doing Riverdance in Times Square. That's what it looked like to me anyway. Um, <laughs> and going into a comic book shop and buying yes, Doctor Strange comics. In full character. Does he have money on him in that get-up? He's or, obviously got some kind of coin pouch or something. Yeah, or maybe just waves his hands and, <laughs> or gets away with it. Or maybe he's just, you know, dude, you're Benedict Cumberbatch and your dress is Doctor Strange and you're in my comic store and you want a Doctor Strange comic, it's on the house. <laughs> Take whatever <laughs> you fine. want. Have um, everything. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so those scenes were filmed last week in New York mm-hmm. uh, in full view of the world's paparazzi. Um, and, you know, I think that hopefully when we see those film, the scenes in the, in the film, it'll be testament that to the thing, to the idea that sometimes the things that you see being filmed in front of you, they may not look that good, but when they're got special effects in them, stuff, yeah, yeah it'll I mean, be fine. <laughs> one one uh, one person on Twitter, I think it was Hello Taylor, was saying, "I can't wait to see the decision making process where the surgeon from Nebraska decides to dress up in that outfit." And that is a gen- <laughs> that will be a genuinely joyful thing to see. I think it's going to take a long time. It's a, it's a very cum- cumbersome. Uh, mm. Costume. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time. A lot of layers. Yeah. It must be really warm. Uh, but anyway, so he went straight from Hamlet and Dr. Strange. Now he's gone straight from Dr. Strange into Sherlock. Uh, maybe he know. loves his work. Maybe, you know, they say if you love your work, you never work a day in your life. And yeah, maybe I'm that just, for him is true. I, I, just, I, wor- I worry. I worry. Benedict, if you're listening to this, um, let us know you're okay. Yeah. Chicken soup. Take some regular. Uh, just take a holiday. Have a holiday. I mean, he's he's filming now. He can't can't have a holiday now. They can film around him. I I I, I mean, he really, can, he can die again. They he, can they could do a Martin Freeman episode. It's fine. It's actually all okay. I'm on board with the Martin Freeman episode. <laughs> Carry on. And the uh, the last thing we should discuss before we move on. This happened while the podcast was being recorded last week, I think, or just after the podcast has been recorded. Uh, the very sad death of the great Ronnie Corbett. Yeah, um, surprisingly sort of devastating. I think he was a part of all of our childhoods anyway. If you watched TV in the 80s and 90s, he was he was a fixture and uh, felt like a sort of member of the family because he'd kind of, you know, be there every every weekend being delightful and On charming. TV. On TV. He yeah, he wasn't in my house. The two Ronnies were just great and... Uh, and yeah, it's yeah. it's a little piece of, of comedy history just gone. And it was interesting actually to see how many uh, tributes he had, not just from the UK, which I think we expected, everybody loved him here, um, but from US comedians as well. He was clearly held in very, very high regard. Who by did he get? Who did he get from the US? I, oh, I, d- I don't know. I just saw on Twitter, okay. I was just saying, I don't, honestly don't remember names, but I just saw a lot of love uh, from US accounts yeah. as well as UK. I think Paul Fink was yes, one of the ones that who paid, paid right. tribute to him and people like that. It's. Uh, it was interesting. I interviewed him actually on the set of Birkin Hair years ago. Yeah, uh, I didn't expect it. I, I went along um, to see a film being shot, and I didn't realise he was there. And then at some point, the publicist comes across and goes, "Do you want to interview Ronnie Corbett?" Well, the yes. correct answer is yes. yes. I do. Of course, I want to interview Ronnie Corbett. So we went to his uh, trailer, and he sat in an armchair. And I swear to God, I'm not making this up. His little legs didn't touch the ground, and it was absolutely perfect. There was like this, this for you or I, it would have been a normal armchair, but for, for Ronnie Corbett, it was it was massive, like a giant throne, and he was a delight. I talked to him for half an hour or so. Oh, amazing! Uh, and it was it was pretty awesome, pretty awesome, and he's good in that film as well. Mm. Uh, so yeah, amazing. And of course, you don't need me to point you towards the. Uh, the iconic sketches that yes, please. were flying around Twitter if, last if week. You're, if you're young and haven't seen much of Ronnie Corbett, um, please do Google things mm. like Four Candles. Yeah. Um, the Mastermind sketch where the he answers sketch. The, the question before last, which is just absolutely oh, genius. Oh, it's, it's incredible. The the um, Swedish sketch, F-U-N-E-X. Mm-hmm. Yes. that one? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, there's there's tons there's tons of great stuff. And all his monologues in the, in the chair. Yeah. Oh. Perfect. Very, very well crafted. He could deliver very, uh, very, very good comedic material. Um, and uh, the interesting thing about those sketches as well is that you know there was great double acts of the nineteen eighties. So you're counting the balls, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Great double acts tend to have a straight man and a and a comedian. And there's absolutely no doubt that Ronnie Barker was just 
phenomenally talented. The mm-hmm. most talented member of the two Ronnies. Just funny bones. Just a genius. An absolute genius. But those sketches show that Ronnie Corbett wasn't just a straight man either. No. He's as funny in Four Candles as Ronnie Barker is, if not funnier. And he's and definitely the uh, the 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 mastermind. Sketch. The brunt of the humor falls on him in the mastermind oh, yeah. sketch. It's just uh, really really great. Uh, so yeah, that's our that's our tribute to the late great Ronnie Corbett who died last week. Okay, time now for this week's guest. Uh, the legend says, "If you build a pod booth." He will come. Uh, I listed some of his amazing credits in the intro, and I didn't even mention Bull Durham or Dances with Wolves or Open Range or Mr. Brooke. Well, I didn't mention Bull Durham or Dances with Wolves or Open Range. Uh, he is, of course, the great Kevin Costner, who stars as a psychopath who has a brain swap, essentially, in next week's Criminal. Uh, he was in London this week, and we sent Phil DeSimlin along to talk to him. At no point were brains swapped, as far as I'm aware. Enjoy. We're very, very pleased to welcome a, a legend of cinema, uh, Kevin Costner, to the Empire Podcast. Hello, oh. sir. Welcome. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Was that, was that over-egging it with the legend? That's, yeah, breaking bread with a legend. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about Criminal, um, a film in which you play uh, Jericho, who is a man who he knows he's had an, an accident as a child. He knows no empathy. He has no real feelings for other people. In the movie, he has Ryan Reynolds' memories transplanted to his own subconscious. Um, when, was this film, at least on paper, the kind of one of the most out there scripts you've ever seen you've ever had sent to you yeah i was thinking you know we're gonna have a hard time making people believe this but if we could the scenes that jericho are in are are really kind of horrifying to watch and also kind of funny almost sometimes at the same time yeah i mean we kind of we love his resourcefulness but we wonder if we possess that kind of level of violence that he has and uh, and you realize that that's obviously how he's gotten by. And the people that, that um, have this memory transfer into him, when he realizes that they don't really care about him, when he's not going to be useful to them, at least in their own mind, he goes into that mode. And, they, and, it, and that's, I think, what makes for a lot of the fun, is that, that he's kind of uncontrollable. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's an angry, yeah, he's an angry man. Um, although he's not kind of, it's not rage, is it? It's, it's just no, it's not. I mean, yeah. he has these moments of just pure joy, and that has a little bit to do with the Ryan Reynolds character. Of as things start to flash, you know, that could only be thought of as a flashback. He's not sure where it's coming from. Whether it's even the adoption of a language that he's never spoken, and he's not even sure what language it is. Yes. Now, to somebody listening right now, they're going, "What kind of movie is this?" <laughs> that scene in particular shows the level of joy he has all at once, and then it's taken away by another customer who um, says something to him that puts him right back into that world where he lives, which is he can't let that go. Yeah. It is a movie where you kind of just have to jump on board and go with it. You can't be sitting there going, well, that seems a bit unlikely, that's a bit unfeasible, because you're just going to be... Well, you know, half movies are are in that that zone anyway. That's true, very much. The other thing that struck me about the cast is, and and I don't even know if this crossed your mind, that there's... Oh, five of you, really, if you throw in Gal Gadot um, as well and Ryan Reynolds, who played Green Lantern. Gal Gadot is obviously Wonder Woman. There's five DC connections in that yeah. cast. Did that, well, did that's you... a pretty loose one for me because yeah. I've only like, worked a day on, on you know. Yeah, you know. we were really surprised. I mean, I think for a lot of people, Jonathan Kent was such a standout and highlight your performance in, in Man of Steel. Yes. Um, really, you must be pleased with the sort of reactions that, that you're I was, I, But I, I was surprised and it was really written. Those four little scenes had a, a real impact. You know, I could see that. And, uh, and then 
uh, they brought me back for a single scene and and I haven't seen the film yet so I don't know even how that impacts the film yeah well I mean it's strange to hear you say it was only four scenes in Man of Steel because you felt it was such an integral part of the whole sort of architecture of the movie um, in this one we well, should watch it. I mean, do you want me to tell you what happens? Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I need to go watch. <laughs> was it, where did you go? Were you surprised to get the call to come back for that? Um, I was. Yeah, I, I was because because you know I was you know in, in in the first one I thought it was a great conclusion you know yeah. about what it was and and um, but I think uh, you know however it was used I know what it was about. It was about when someone feels lost. You know how do they get back to their center? You know there are moments and times as you as you grow older where you know you, you know you kind of wish your dad you get into some difficult decisions and and you know or sometimes you even need your dad to straighten you out yeah and say hey look you know yeah. you think you're the only but the only person yeah really do you because you're not i think people i mean i personally and i'm sure a lot of people to connected your scenes um in man of steel with some of the things that you did you know in the 90s perhaps on field of dreams and such like those kind yeah. of themes re- re-echoing which is kind of a lovely a lovely kind of callback yeah um i know i wonder that sort of leads into my next question was which is that you're closely associated with with westerns as a filmmaker and an actor but also as a movie fan and you've seen that the genre come and go and come back and in a sense it sort of seems to have come back a little bit again recently do you see do you see echoes in 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 the sort of superhero genre of that i think movies are hard to make um, I think Zach's a true artist, uh, but I, I'm going to try to direct a Western next yeah. you know, next spring. And and I have a style that I believe in when it comes to the West. Um, I'm uh, you know I think that Westerns when they're like ultra violent, I think they for me they kind of set the genre back. Yeah, I think the the strength of a Western a lot of times is its dialogue. You have to have the shootout. You have to have a level of violence that comes, but I think when they when they stick in your memory, it's about the situations that you create. Yeah, you know, if you just create the white hat and black hat, you're gonna, you know, that's that's a staple. And and um, but you know, and then you know, a lot of people go, well, I don't like westerns because they just look dirty to me. Yeah, they just yeah. look kind of like well, people weren't. They tried to stay clean. They they were they were people making their way, and they wanted to hold on to a level of civilization. But the West wasn't civil. Yeah, it was it was violent. So you don't have to go right at that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can you can what you try to find is 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 what's authentic about people trying to make their way out there, and then running into people that uh, were a bit, little bit like Jericho almost. Right. And and if you ask yourself, well, that's a cliche, then you don't know the American West. No. With the new, with the new Western that you're planning, um, you, will you be in it? I will be in it. And uh, directing, obviously. Right. I, I, but but it's, it's really a character study of a lot of people. It covers like 30 years. Right. Starting sort of post-Civil War? Uh, no, it starts before the Civil oh, okay. War. okay. And it carries through, and and uh, I'll be looking for some European actors um, because I want to accent it with with actually that kind of people that were, you know, settling here, left here, and and then uh, didn't like the East Coast and yeah. thought there was more opportunity West, and that created a lot of fish out of waters, so wow. to speak. Do you have a title for it at this point? It's called Horizon. 
Okay, well, that's very exciting to, to, to sort of hear you coming back. Very, very quick last question. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, and I wondered if you had a favorite sort of memory of Alan Rickman working with Alan on that movie. Yeah, well, he was, you know, he had this great part where he really got to have a lot of fun and he went for it in the best way actors do. He knew he had, he, he there was scenes that he could really, really do the dance really you know we some people call it scene stealing and it's not he just took the part that he had and 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 it was written really well and then he just completely went for it and you know i remember somebody somebody asked ask him about me and he goes oh god he's one of those actors that really likes to fight (laughs) (laughs) and and so when we did our sword fight he knew it was going to be a, a, a really a fight and if you remember that fight in that church we were really going yeah. after each other in a way that wasn't swashbuckling as much as it was just trying to cut each other's head off <laughs> and uh, but that was oh my god another American who just <laughs> likes to fight and I can see that rolling out of his mouth and uh, um I hope it was tongue-in-cheek when he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Uh, Kevin Costner, thank you so much for joining us on the Empire Podcast. A real right. pleasure. Okay, yeah, we'll be talking about Criminal on next week's show. It's out on uh, next Friday the 15th. Is it the 15th? It is the 15th. Yeah. See, I'm shaking that date. I can tell you when Wonder Woman's coming out next year, but I can't tell you what next Friday is. Well, you should know because it's Seth Rogen's birthday and Emma Watson's birthday the 15th of April. <laughs> Please that's tell me weird. that's true. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you know that? I just have that knowledge. Why would you have that knowledge? Is it your birthday too? It is not. Okay. Is it your wife's birthday? Is it someone close to you who has a birthday that day, and that's why you know that? Is there someone it, in this it, room? It, it's just something I have retained that they have the same birthday and it's that day. Seth okay. Rogen and Emma Watson. See, I immediately forgot. I didn't retain that information. Well, at all. you remember dates, but I remember people and dates. I don't remember faces. I'm I'm not good with faces or names, uh, Heather and Jeremy. Uh, Right, so let's talk about Criminal next week. This week we're going to talk about the movies that are out in the multiplexes for you to see. First up is The Huntsman, Winter's War, which is the pre-sequel to Snow White and the Huntsman, the beloved classic that came out in 2012. Uh, Everyone loved it, but uh, uh, Kristen Stewart's not back in this one for some reason. This one focuses Mm. on Chris Hemsworth. What was that? Hmm? That was a hmm, she's not back. It oh, okay. wasn't a hmm, Chris right. Hemsworth. No, no, no. I thought it was a, a, a knowing hmm. Oh, no, it wasn't she a wasn't knowing hmm. No. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, this one focuses on Chris Hemsworth and. Mm. <laughs> and more than makes up for the loss of Kristen Stewart by, uh, by adding Emily Blunt. Correct. And. No, I thought you were going to go hmm. Oh, no. Okay. The next and, one. Uh, yeah. And Jessica Chastain. Yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> to the returning Charlize Theron. No. No, um. No, um. I'm not doing it for everybody. Otherwise, like... Okay. Uh, the film also stars Nick Frost. Mm. <laughs> uh, Rob Wright and Alexander Roach. Uh, right. And Sheridan okay. Smith. And Sheridan Smith. Mm. And Sheridan Smith. Sheridan Smith. Smith. Mm. Sheridan Smith's in it as well. So this one is a prequel sequel. So we start off with a bit of backstory. It's a pre-sequel. It's a pre- well, no, I mean because it's it's a reciprocal c- because a pre-sequel would be a, an original, wouldn't it? I mean, the pre-sequel is a film that is set. It's, it's ba- a pre-sequel is basically an, in- an interquel. Oh, like uh, like the third Lion King movie, which is set between the first two. Well, I think. the the there is a it's a game, but the one th- Borderlands the pre-sequel is set between 
Borderlands 1 and 2. I think we've broken Chris, so let's go back to the story. So uh, we uh, learn... Just, I'm, I'm astonished the movie you chose to illustrate your theory was the third Lion King film. Well, I haven't seen it, but I believe it's set somewhere in the middle there. Okay. Anyway, oh, so right. I, mean, uh, I don't know that there are that many uh, examples of uh, third films set between the first and the second, are there? I remember once when I was a kid, and I read a, an article in the paper that said that Jaws, Jaws one point five had been greenlit, and was going to take place between the events of Jaws one and two, mm-hmm. and was going to star and Roy Scheider and Richard Dreyfuss were going to return to reprise their roles, and I remember getting really excited about that. Getting really excited about the idea there was a film going to be called Jaws 1.5. Uh, sadly, never never came to light. No. Still time. There's I mean, still time. Is there I mean, less time than there was before <laughs> he died, but... Um, yes. So moving on. Oh, hi. yeah, sorry, yeah, Huntsman. Uh, Huntsman, yes. So we, we joined the story with a bit of backstory for uh, Charlize Theron's Ravenna, who we now learn, in addition to marrying and then killing kings in order <gasps> to take over their kingdoms... <gasps> also had a sister who was quite nice and sweet and liked Colin Morgan from that there Merlin. But things go tragically wrong and the sister gets in touch with her own magic, which happens to be all icy, and goes off to find her own kingdom. And because she has some issues, which she should really talk out, that's Emily Blunt, sorry, um, as Freya. Uh, Emily Blunt, uh, because she has some issues that she she could usefully discuss in group therapy with Batman, um, goes off and uh, sets up a sort of child army. She starts basically raiding villages, taking in all the kids, brainwashing and training them to become her huntsmen, her elite armed forces. Wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. Is one of those huntsmen Chris Hemsworth's hunky... Eric? That's right. Oh, my goodness. That was an inspired guess. Uh, he does. He is. And, uh, he does. He, he is. does. He does hunk. He yes, does. he is. And, <laughs> he hunks for a living. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, another one is a young redheaded girl who grows up to be, wouldn't you know it, Jessica Chastain's Sarah. And you remember he referred to a wife called Sarah in the first film. It is all <laughs> coming it. full circle. I've been trying to forget it. <laughs> I can't. Well, there's a tragedy. No. It, there is. It's, it, it tears them apart and it leaves him time to go off and be drunk for a few years and then do the events of the other film. <laughs> okay. And then we come back and rejoin him. Oh, And okay. Sam Claflin turns up and says, hey, got a message from Snow White who isn't here. She's around. She's definitely around. She's just a bit busy right now. And she's asked you if you could go and get the the mirror that Ravenna had yes. because it's a bit dangerous and twisty and we're worried about it. Right. And Chris Hemsworth realises he also needs to keep it away from Freya or bad things <gasps> could happen. <gasps> Is he still Scottish in this film? I mean, it's hard to tell. Uh, I believe he may have He's supposed to be. Some of the, the words... When he struggles with the words, he just tends to bark them instead of uh, trying a Scottish accent, and which, you know, you sort of tune into it at the, it's, yeah, at it's, the halfway it's stage. Not, it's not... It's not terrible. Does he say the word Sassanac? He doesn't, no. I don't believe that word exists in this realm, which is not Scotland or England. Um, Jessica Chastain also has a, a, a Scottish-esque accent um, as well, and Charlize Theron does not, um, which is probably for the good, nor does Emily Blunt. They're both RP. Johnny, tell us more. Do you know what? It's not a complete disaster. That's true. Um it's not by any stretch of the imagination a good film, I don't think. We gave it two stars. Oh, okay. Um, do you know what? The highlight of the film is actually there's a middle section where you start at... There's a, a, a quartet of dwarfs, which we've talked about, are played by uh, Bryden, Frost, Smith and Roach. Roach. 
mm-hmm. and uh, they're very funny in it. They are um, amusing, like back and forth between the um, the four of them. There's uh, some gender politics in in play with the dwarves, which is you know very amusing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the problem is it's you know the huntsman and the winter and the war are all <laughs> not that interesting. Yeah, I think it's a bit overcooked a little bit. I mean, they were talking on set about trying to give it a bit more of a of an Indiana Jones vibe and of, of a Willow vibe. And there are moments where it feels less that like there's a there's a there's a sense of that and more like they're lifting moments and beats from those movies in a way that doesn't quite fit with the Huntsman aesthetic and story that we've already come to know. So it just isn't quite the the right fit sometimes for me. It's I mean, you say come to know and I say not really enjoyed not the really first remembered. time well, yeah. round anyway. I will say it looks fantastic. I do think that the, the films are beautifully designed, like gorgeous, gorgeous costumes and, and scenery and all that kind of stuff. I just think it's in service to a plot and characters that are not quite as engaging as they should be. You see, I think, because it's the special effects guy who's the director, right, from the last yeah. time round, I mean, he just, I think he does too much. There's, there are too many, like... There's butterflies on the screen for no reason, but you know, because he's a special effects guy, he can put them there. And there's a, a distracting think, tortoise in the back of one of the scenes. I, th- I think it- that's a link to the first film and those kind of weirdo, you know, trippy woodland scenes in that. I think. I just actually thought it was distractingly overstuffed with um, creatures. But yeah, it's it's just I would say it's um, it's certainly no worse than the first one. Probably I think it'll do about as well with people. Do you know if if you were mm. a fan of the first one, presumably you're a twelve year old uh, of some description. I think it could it could do okay with them. But it, yeah, it's not a film that many people are going to be very excited about. And certainly I saw it one the pre the first first night of previews on Monday. I went to the evening screening and there were maybe ten of us in the cinema. So I, I'm not sure how brilliant it's going to do. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah, I was I was quite intrigued by this film because on one level I thought it, it, it looked like the Huntsman contractual obligation but then the addition of Chastain and Blunt intrigued me mm-hmm. and then the idea that uh, it basically was a live action Frozen as well rather <laughs> cynically cashing in on that apparently that, that was all written success. before uh-huh. Frozen uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know that because of the I mean they've, they've planned this from the start with the mention of Sarah in the first one you know this this is part of a Huge, like sprawling epic. I mean, th- mm. three is suggested by the ending, right? Um. Well, yes, I would. I would suggest that there is there is the possibility of three. I actually stayed for the uh, for the rest for the credits in case there was an after credits sting, which there is not. But there is mention of a of a thing or a person or a a, a plot thread, which I won't spoil by saying what it is. But yeah, that could come back to bite somebody. I think in the in the third film, I and mean, there was a suggestion that. Chris Hemsworth was talking about the background of this film and he was saying that he and the producer Joe Roth had talked about doing, you know, having the Huntsman basically travel through different fairy tales and Mm. sort of help out in different ways in different stories, which is kind of what Sarah Pinsborough did with her books, which worked really well there. So you could have something like that where he, you know, he turns up next time and it's Rose Red or he turns up and it's Sleeping Beauty or whatever. Mm. Um, It was Sleeping Beauty. Ignore that. You know what I mean? No, no it Snow wasn't. White. It was Snow White. Yeah. Okay, so he could still do Sleeping Beauty. Uh, not in a sex way. Uh, well, so well, there's there's still, <laughs> there's still lots of options if this one does well. I just don't know how much of an appetite there is for it. It just feels a little bit overcooked. I, I just would have liked a bit more of a mm. polish on the script. I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Why is it not called The Hunksman? Oh, they've missed a trick there. Mm. I could have added 100 million to the box office. <laughs> <laughs> the Hunksman, indeterminate accent. <laughs> 
coming to a cinema near you. Aye. Right, so two stars for that. Next on a more positive note is the latest film from Jeff Nichols, the director of Mud and Take Shelter. This one is called Midnight Special and is a walking, talking uh, John Carpenter tribute act. Isn't it, Johnny Pyle? Yes, it very much is. Uh, Michael Shannon is uh, a father with a young child who wears these blue goggles because he has some sort of supernatural uh, blue glowy eyes. The child does, not the father. The child has those, (laughs) yes. And people are after this child because they want his supernatural powers or whatever they may be. Uh, That includes the cult that he's lived with, some cops... And um, across the southern states they go. They go via a um, a petrol station or a oh, garage. Yeah. Yes, for good a one. very Just, good scene yeah, there good where scene. Um, meteors come crashing to earth and people are very scared. And off they go to a slightly boring finale. That's rightly summed up I'm kind of with you on this one but the the finale has really split people. So uh, Robbie Cullen and our own Emma Thrower both think it gets better at the end not worse I think the ending doesn't quite work it reminds me extremely strongly of a science fiction film in the last two years which I won't name because it would be a spoiler but it is uh, the aesthetic is very very similar to that um, and uh, but but I loved so much of the journey there and I love that essentially what they've done here is make a, an incredibly compelling extremely tense sort of a superhero movie for a budget of about 50p uh, which I think is great, but but there's the, the the characters are really interesting. And Michael Shannon's slightly frantic dad is is brilliant. Joel Edgerton I thought was great. So Joel Edgerton is along as his. I wasn't clear. I thought at first they were brothers or something that he was a, a direct family member. It becomes clear he isn't, and I was I was never quite sure of his motives or what he was going to do, and and it kept me very very tense and very on edge. Um, and you've got uh, Kirsten Dunst in there as well as we can say the boy's mother it's kind of in the trailer she's the boy's mother yeah, that's fine. Uh, who turns up and uh, and is also it's a great performance from her and an extremely unvain performance from her yep. um, and you have uh, Adam Driver as the uh, main agent trying yes. to track them down but and he's not necessarily uh, black and white is he? No he's not I think there's there's a little sort of uh, soup son of uh, of Truffaut in there in Close Encounters I think there's there's a little kind of hint of of that film as well there's a lot of John Carpenter you're right and especially the, in the music um, but there, there's elements of sort of lots of different like Starman as well and um, as well as Close Encounters kind of are the, probably the two biggest mm. influences and that one from the last couple of years which I don't think is intentional <laughs> so yes yeah, so we gave it four and you seem to like it very much I was left quite cold by it I wasn't that bothered at all. I mean, you've talked about compelling characters of which I can't remember any. Um, I don't know that the... I just don't feel I was very gripped by the the whole thing. Well, I mean, I I don't know what to say to that. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) The Empire Podcast at home. (laughs) Great movie discourse. (laughs) (laughs) I do feel put in my place, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just... I I genuinely was was very intrigued by the characters. I just... The only thing I maybe thought was... I didn't think all of their... I didn't think all the interactions were as strong as I would like them to be. And and Dunst characters, especially, I didn't think entirely worked for me I thought she was good I don't think it's the it's the acting that was bad I just thought that the role that her character plays wasn't the role that 
would have worked best for the film? Well, I think Dan, who saw the film for us, Dan Joel in our feature theatre, mm. he said it's almost as though they were like, oh, Christ, this film's all men. Quick, write a woman. <laughs> it is a bit. And, and actually, it would, it would make more sense for the backstory of all the characters if she'd been the one who was on the run. Um, but you know. but then you can't cast Michael Shannon in the lead. I know, and, and the whole world would come crumbling down. Well, there you go. <laughs> which we already saw in Take Shelter, so probably best. Okay, so four stars end for Midnight Special. Uh, and the last film we're going to discuss this week is The Man Who Knew Infinity, uh, which is a film about mathematics. Ooh, I do like a good sum. And in this case, two and two adds up to three stars. But, Hell's Bells, take us through it. Yeah, two and two equals three. I think I feel like something's gone wrong there. So this is a historical biopic, basically. It uh, begins during World War One, and it has the self-taught mathematician Srinivasa Ramanujan, uh, who's played by Dev Patel, uh, leaving his Madras home and heading to Cambridge to, to study further maths. Um, he faces extreme problems there, extreme challenges there, as you might expect, given the, given the time, um, and basically fights for the recognition that he deserves uh, for his talents, basically. Uh, born in poverty, obsessed with numbers, uh, and got into an accountancy job before getting into uh, Cambridge. Thanks, at least in part, of course, to um, a mathematician there, G.H. Hardy, who's played here by Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. So there's great, great chemistry, I think, between those two. Um, but I think the problem is the the film the, the the challenge always in a film like this I guess is is trying to communicate just how astonishing these revolutionary ideas of very abstruse mathematics are mm. and I don't think the film quite no. did that. I'm 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 a very astoundingly dense person uh, at the best <laughs> times as you know and I just didn't I I didn't I went into the film not knowing why Ramanujan was famous and I came out of the movie not knowing why Ramanujan was famous I, I know that he's clearly a genius because the movie tells us that he is every five minutes but it doesn't seem to at any point and it may be difficult to explain his theories in layman's terms and it's a lot to do with theoretical physics as far as I can make out he makes rockets fly right? Uh, something about rockets he, uh, something something about well he, he's a very very Things smart dude space because it, <laughs> it was some he did at no point in this movie does he type <laughs> in the word boobs on his calculator which is a real shame and I think they really <laughs> missed a trick with this film that's, that's pretty much where I stand mathematically speaking or hello hello and boobs that's pretty much all I can do um, which is all you need really hello boobs uh, so <laughs> It's yeah, my favourite chapter. So, <laughs> so how, how, did, my, how, how I does met that my work wife. out for you? <laughs> well, he's married with a child, so, well, okay. so there we go. Um, yeah, it's a bit impenetrable in, in that way. I didn't mm. really ever get a sense of the genius of Ramanujan. Although I think it's it's very nicely performed, and what it yeah. becomes is essentially uh, a kind of strange, reluctant buddy movie between. Yeah. Ramanujan and Hardy and it's very well performed by Dev Patel and uh, and Jeremy Irons well, he's such a charming actor Dev, Dev Patel that, that yeah. sort of that papers over quite a lot of cracks that otherwise might develop I absolutely think. as he begins to tear down the, the strictures of Cambridge at the time which yeah. was a, a, a you know an old boys network and a closed shop and the idea that an Indian fellow might come into this 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 world of great minds and have an outstrip uh, you know, the assembled academic might 
was anathema to a lot of those people. And of course, there's some some cartoon villains who are trying to tear him down. And it's, it takes place during the backdrop against the backdrop of a World War One as well. And Ramanujan himself is a very very interesting character. He's a very very focused character. So much so that he would get so caught up in his theories, he would neglect his own personal health. Um, and I will say a little more about that. But um, yeah, it's 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 a very nice. Sunday afternoon stroll of a film. Mm. Not a lot happens, but it happens in a very willingly performed way. Um, and uh, you know, Jeremy Irons's voice is worth the price of admission alone. Which, if you worked on my calculator here, is four pounds <laughs> twenty-seven. It's it's certainly the best Jeremy Irons film of recent weeks. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. I went there. Well, it's not Helen. I think you'll Isn't find. It? Oh, you're right. I think I find High Rise is the best Jeremy Irons film of recent weeks. Of of recent, like, two or three weeks, then. Of of the Jeremy Irons films have been released since March 25th. (laughs) Yes. This is one of the best. Uh, The best, in fact. All right, so three stars then for the man who knew Infinity. Can we just say 3.14 stars? Because that's pi, and I know that. Oh, look at that. (laughs) You know pi to a whole three digits. Three digits. What's next? 3.4... 3.1415 Oh, how far can you go? Only that, that's it that's I'm, I'm, I'm There's amazed. a 7 in there What, somewhere in the infinite numbers that well, follow? Well no, but like, uh, it's, it's pretty close after that But I'm, am- I'm amazed that you got as far as you did Thanks <laughs> I feel a little bit patronised Frankly, I'm No, lucky. no, no, 3.14 And I would have gone, is it, is it 1 next again? Is there another 1? Uh, Where's the, is there a 2? I think there's a 2 Why are we doing this? Cut, 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 cut well, everyone knows that the first 50 decimal digits are 3.1415926535893238462643823275028841971693995353735101 oh obviously God. I got that slightly Chris wrong Chris has but, started writing on the windows but, um, in permanent marker guys <laughs> I deploy <think>. algorithms <laughs> I've got to do this guys he has deployed the algorithm this is terrifying so Someone right. call Captain America, so, just um, generally. But still, rounded down, there's three stars. So three stars in for the man who knew Infinity. Uh, and uh, and that's pretty much it. We haven't seen Hardcore Henry as of yet, the first-person POV action shoot-em-up. Um, so go and see it and award yourself a star rating between one and five. And remember, the three stars is a recommendation. Um Okay, and that's it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more formulated fun. We'll be joined by, this is a good double whammy, Rebecca Ferguson. Hey. Not, not lovely Rebecca of X Factor, the, the no. golden-voiced Chantreuse. The other lovely the other Rebecca one. Ferguson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, her from uh, Rogue Nation. Yes. Her out of Rogue Nation. Awesome. And John Favreau. Hey. Favs. Excellent. Favs himself, the director of The Jungle Book, will be in this pod booth, or a pod booth, or somewhere. Uh, amazing week. Uh, until then... It is goodbye from Johnny. Bye, Chris. Goodbye, Johnny. Bye. Uh, it's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to recite pi to 10,000 digits, which, as we all know, of course, is 3.14159265358979323846264338327950. We should, we should go. 3, go. 582 <laughs>
That's it. 10,000 digits. Sorted. See you next week. Bye.